Welcome. You are listening to Faith Like Jasmine, and I'm your host, Megan Griffin. This podcast is about how the fragrant aroma of our faith can affect our own walk and those around us as we seek to grow deeper in relationship with God. Here's scripture, prayer, and a myriad of God stories as we journey together. I'm so glad you're joining with us today. Wherever you are at this moment, He sees you. He sees the thoughts behind each breath. He sees what you're about to walk through. He sees the mud still stuck to your feet from what you came through. We cannot comprehend the depth of His knowledge of us. Our guest this month, Tracy Gates, has been through a challenging few years, and there is still mud on her feet yet it has brought her a clearer and more intimate relationship with God. Those seasons gave her experiences of being known. As you listen, hear her honesty and her joy. The mud doesn't bother her. And being known is more than just a fleeting moment. It is ever-present in the body of believers she and her family have connected with. Their fragrant faith helped her experience God in new ways and to grow deeper. Are you ready? Hi, Tracy. I can't tell you how excited I am that you agreed to do this with me. Well, I can't tell you how humbling it is for you to have asked. Oh, but you are such a like transformative person that you bear this beautiful heart for God to all the different people. You do it in your work environment, with your church family, with your home family. And I'm just grateful that you're here to talk with me today so that everyone else can hear that as well. Thanks, Megan. You're giving me more credit than I deserve, but I appreciate you um, seeing efforts in how um, we are trying to change things here in our home um, that hopefully ripple out into our community. I think we're all in different stages of that at different points. Mm-hmm. And it got, sort of picks us apart and stretches us to different places. So true. So tell us about Tracy, your family, what you do, how long you've been married, um, that kind of thing. Um, I'm a simple girl. Um, I claim to that a lot. Um, grew up in Myrtle Beach. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was in fourth grade and mom took off out of Columbia to the beach to be surrounded by her parents for support. Um, I, yes, my parents got divorced when I was in fourth grade, but if they couldn't be married to each other, they are now married to the best people for them. Um, really, Mm -hmm. really, really great step parents. Um, it's hard to use that word, but that's how we introduce them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of, you know, odd teaching people that you have two parents, you know, two women, two men, you know, but Mm -hmm. uh, that's how we introduce them. Um, they are very good people for our true blood parents. Um, I'm the oldest of two daughters. Um, I, by marriage with my step family, um, we acquired two more girls and a boy. Um, so I'm still the oldest. (laughs) It doesn't, doesn't create any clout, but still the oldest. (laughs) I don't know if that means I made the mistake first or what, but, um, (laughs) 
we were grown when they came in the picture. So they had, um, they were younger. So um, I guess we've been role models for them um, through it. Um, Hopefully good. Um, And then growing up at the beach was a little different um, than anywhere else because people came to visit you all the time, but they weren't coming to visit the state and spend time with you. They were coming to go to the beach of all things. (laughs) You were just a landing um, pad. Exactly. Exactly. The spare bedroom. Um, So uh, but with that, you know, I, um, started going to college down at the beach and the college I was going to didn't have my degree of interest as a, um, offering. So I transferred up here to Columbia and, and that's where I met my husband, um, Bruce. Bruce is the youngest of six children. So talk about flipping around, you know, for me and the oldest. Yeah, I got the youngest and I will go to my grave saying my hardest kid to raise has been my mother-in-law's. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was spoiled by parents and grandparents alike. Um, so it's it's been an effort for me. But um, we met when I was a senior in, in college. Um, I was bound for going into the nuclear engineering program in the Navy, uh, but I fell in love to a man who had, um, such a shine in his daughter's lives. He has two girls, um, Mm -hmm. previous marriage and they adored him. Um, so that was attractive to me was a man that, um, worshiped his kids like he did. Um, he just would do anything for them with the few spare every other weekend with them. Um, and I could see how much they were drawn to him and, how much he loved them. So we got married in 2000 and in 2003 had our son that we share together, Briar. Um, he'll, he'll be 19 in December and um, he's made his mama proud. He's gone into being a firefighter, a first responder. And as for me, um, I graduated college back in uh, 2000 um, with a degree in chemistry and went into being a chemist. My mind works that way. I'm not creative at all. Very, very boring when it comes to that kind of stuff, but my mind's a math mind and pursued the corporate ladder for quite some time and then found that it wasn't as rewarding as I thought it would be. So mm-hmm. recently I've ventured out on my own and now I own a health and wellness business um, where I'm able to um, help people reach goals that they want to about being healthy. And so um, absolutely fulfilling job um, to be able to coach people through that. And it's actually um, allowed me an opportunity to pray with people I wouldn't have been able to otherwise, which has been such an eye opener because you can't do that in corporate America. So no, um, there's not as much wiggle room. Right. Um, You know, if you develop a relationship, obviously, with people, you get that opportunity at work, but not as much when you own your own business that you can do that. So Mm -hmm. I don't have a hard answer to if you would. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we live on a farm. We we love horses and and animals. And um, I guess my dream job is to be a barrel racer and go to the NFR one day, but I don't know how reachable (laughs) that goal is but I'll pursue it for a while and see how it goes (laughs) and it's still fun to go after it absolutely even if you don't ever hit that high point it's still enjoyable the process to 
just practice and do it and sure I choke under pressure so um I think I think that might be, you know, with the lights and all, it might be something that I won't be able to ever recognize or realize if you would, but mm-hmm. I'm fortunate that I have a husband that supports me in, you know, doing it and, and occasionally, you know, participates with me. Um, he gets to work all of them that I go to. So <laughs> I don't know how rewarding it is for him, but he gets a paycheck out of it. So there you go. <laughs> that's Tracy. I'm pretty, like I said, pretty simple. Um, don't have a whole lot of, I guess, maintenance needs for me. Um, I'm just, you know, kind of, I guess, down to earth. I, I love it, you know, with the church we go to about it being real life, real faith, because, um, I don't try to be somebody I'm not, there's no facade. What you see is what you get, you know, mm-hmm. And maybe even one of the reasons I don't wear makeup because I'm not trying, I'm I'm not really trying to hide anything. So we're pretty open and sometimes maybe too open. Um, No, I think it's one of the things that I've always admired with you and getting to know you is the fact that you're very transparent in what you're struggling with as much as what you're proud of. And even for Christians, we often still try to present ourselves in a certain way. We don't like to talk about the struggle or how we fell down as easily as what we did well. Right. And I just appreciate the candor and how you guys are willing to do that. It's just for you, it's part of the whole picture and part of the whole story and you don't want to censor any part of what God's doing. Right. Well, thanks, Megan. You always well, I'm gonna, know how to make me feel good. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and read us our passage for the Psalms for today. And for many of us, it's going to be very familiar. So we have Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6. Lord, you have examined me. You know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. Even from far away, you comprehend my plans. You study my traveling and resting. You are thoroughly familiar with all my ways. There isn't a word on my tongue, Lord, that you don't already know completely. You surround me, front and back. You put your hand on me. That kind of knowledge is too much for me. It's so high above me that I can't reach it. Tracy, whether we feel it or not, on a given day, we are known by the intimate, creative, omniscient, fierce, one and only God. What does that do for your heart, that knowledge? It gives me like an overall peace, but sometimes it also puts me in a position where I'm a little panicky that I don't measure up, if I'm completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, obviously being human in nature and earthly in nature, you know, we have things that cross our minds that, you know, we aren't proud of or things that we say that we're so ashamed of. And, and I know that that's the reason Jesus made the walk to the cross is to allow me to turn that to him and say, Hey, help me make me better. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're, you're sitting and you, you know, rest in that, 
sometimes it's scary that there's somebody that knows what's going on in your head, you know, but at the same time, there's a confident piece in it too, that he can help you with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so sometimes it'll bring me to tears, you know, where I sit and go, what were you thinking for that to cross your mind? (laughs) You know what I mean? And then I'm like, oh, I know what you were thinking. You were fixing to ask for help, you know, with it. Um, Because that's that's been one of the, I guess, strangest things. I think that probably the past three or four months, um, you know, I I think I've told you, you know, with with moving into this new role in our house where I'm here all day long for the most part and um, have a little bit more freedom with how I can schedule my day. Um, that I have begun to read truly my Bible the completely way through. And, you know, when, when you get into Matthew and Luke and you start reading the parable about how the shepherd went back for the one and mm-hmm. how it correlates with that, that's what Jesus was here for, that he wasn't going to leave anybody behind. And to realize in this, on this earth and be, billions of people that walk it daily that I am that important to him that he, he would come back for me. And then he did come back for me um, is so like calming. And, you know, I, I know people sometimes when they talk about their relationship with their spouse, how they, when they speak that they kind of allows them to melt into themselves that's mm-hmm. kind of how it allows me to feel is that, um, that's beautiful. you know, to rest in that I can melt into that. He came for me, mm-hmm. Don't, not from a selfish perspective, but for a value perspective, mm-hmm. I, was, Absolutely. I was worthy enough for it. Um, and that's, you know, it's emotional, um, and, and it's also, it, it can be a burden too, you know, to think about it. Um, you know, if I'm, again, in my earthly piece of it is that he did come back for you. So you should make an effort to live right, you know, and, and not be the you same. You to make it worthwhile. Yes. So, um, and I, I know that that is, again, me being earthly, earthly and realizing that, you know, as we, you know, I'm reading through the New Testament and seeing that, you know, he has tossed all the laws away and say that, you know, that his blood covers all my sin, regardless of what, how I measure up to the Ten Commandments. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, but I do know that his blood should change me, innately change me and who I am. And that it shouldn't be so, so stinking hard to live up to those Ten Commandments, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, the rule the rule follower in me always says but wait those could have helped me like (laughs) then I know where my boundary is and I know what to do right right like no all that's out the window you don't have to worry about that I'm like well that I don't know what to do with that (laughs) right I I don't know how to please and measure up if I don't have the rules right but it's not about right we had a conversation last night um you know, we cut hay and off our horses and one of our pieces of equipment broke last night. So we ended up at our 
um, nephew's house who um, is getting married at the end of this month. And they were having a conversation with their, um, the officiant for their wedding. They're doing some counseling with them. And um, part of the counseling was, you know, bringing attention to some of their sins. And um, I felt so hurt that that was their exposure right before they get married to, um, to Christianity or to the church was Mm -hmm. a a pointed finger, you know, I absolutely support you being close enough to someone that they call out your sin to give you a redirection. Um, but a pointed finger just seems so hurtful, um, to trying to expose, if you would, people to the unconditional love of Jesus. It makes known a scary and condemning experience versus an intimate and a safe one. Sure. I know the past few years have carried a lot for you and your family, and I love the fact that it has brought you a more intimate relationship with God. You've, When things happen, we can go closer or we can run the opposite direction. What was the point or two during all of that in which you felt seen by him. We don't always feel that presence and his eye and his attention on us and the weight of that. But can you recall anything in particular? Um, I I think there were two different experiences from um, this past year that, or I would say year and a half or so that we've gone through that I can clearly see that um, he had an agenda for me. Mm-hmm. to see that he was there. Um, one was um, last year, my husband and I both um, had the vaccine and he had an adverse reaction to it causing a ocular stroke. Um, yeah. And we weren't in a good place um, as a husband and wife at that time. Um, and I literally had to turn to, um, you know, my sisters in the church and say, I need you to pray not only for the restoration of my husband's health, but also for me to be empathetic and sympathetic to his needs. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I obviously can't do this on my own. I was incredibly cold and I recognized that. And, um, you know, knowing that there were people there that I knew that could help pray over me, Um, And not just give, you know, not just myself and having my own, I know that he hears every prayer I I say, but enough people speak in our names to him that Mm -hmm. it became like a, um, almost a a move to the top of the list. Let's make this one happen now. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Kind of thing. So um, that was the the initial instance at the first of last year. So Um, and I, I think God has a really good sense of humor, um, not so well received sometimes when it initially happens. Um, but he, (laughs) oh, Tracy, let's see what we can do with your help (laughs) to see if Bruce returns the favor, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, um, I got a, um, and talk about sense of humor. I got a diagnosis, um, the same day, um, I started a little weight loss program myself. Um, of 
uh, stage zero breast cancer. And it was truly the first time ever I remember saying I have no control over something. Mm. Like literally this is out of my control because everything Mm. else I've always done, you know, I've been like, okay, well, if the house needs to be cleaned, um, let's go clean it. Um, If we need money to pay for something, let's go pick up a side job. Um, You know, I just, I've always been able to like lay it out, maybe be a procrastinator at it, but I've been able to lay it out and find the path to achieving it, if you would. Mm -hmm. But this was the first time that something was completely out of my hands. Like what? Okay. It's here. You now have, you know, stage zero cancer. What do you do with it? And I remember like thinking to myself, why aren't you crying? And I think Hmm. I just sat back and said, it's because you turned it over to him. I mean, I literally had gone, God, I can't do anything with this. You're, this is on you now. If this is meant to be, you know, how Mm -hmm. I leave this earth, then this is how it goes. And you weren't trying to fit it in a box that you could manage. Right. And which is so weird. I'm like, how, how did I turn that over to him? And I I questioned, you know, at that time, like what made me turn that over to him? But I didn't turn over my finances or I didn't turn over my relationship with my husband or turn over my relationship with my son you know, why, why haven't I ever turned something completely over to him? And it made me realize, okay, maybe you are growing mm-hmm. in your relationship and knowledge of who he is and that, yeah, maybe you were able to earn some money to do something you needed to do, but it was truth be told all because of the means he provided, you know, he, I, I was able to do that, even though I didn't ask him for the help he provided it for me. Mm -hmm. It made, it made me realize that, you know, are things worth worrying over? Maybe. Um, But at the end of the day, the worry doesn't change it. It's he's going to provide you the tools if that's where he seems fit for you to be. Hmm. That's a big Big thing to be handed and then to have to hand over. Mm-hmm. And truly you had no control. There was nothing you did to set yourself up for that news. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing you could do to get yourself out of it. Right. It was. Mm-hmm. I, and it, it was so calming. Cause like, I, you know, I remember like, I think it was one of the services we had um, when our church was in the gym and we were getting ready to prepare for college students moving in. And I went into the kitchen and um, I remember sitting in there listening to one of the songs um, that was um, Morgan was singing. And I can't remember which one it was, but I remember crying from a joy perspective, if that makes sense, like about the situation, I I don't, how do you find joy in breast cancer? You know what I mean? But I remember sitting back there crying and, and, um, one of our, our sisters there, um, came in and, and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't, I don't really know how to explain this. 
you know, we haven't really shared with anybody what's going on. Um, but here's where we are. Here's what's happened. And I'm not crying like tears of sorrow, like that I'm going to go through chemo or radiation or surgery or whatever and possibly lose my life. I'm sitting here crying, knowing that I don't have to carry this, at least not alone. It's almost more relief. Yeah. The, the joy was founded in the relief and the, the lack of weight. Right. Because you were able to hand it off. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. This past year, I was privileged to lead a women's Bible study on a book by Christy Cole. And in it, she says, Jesus enables you to be exposed in your weakness, to live naked and unashamed, because you know who you are and whose you are. To be certain, exposure being known in your sin and weakness is part of the Christian life. And at first I found it somewhat freeing when I read it. It was uncomfortable, but the realization that Jesus's life and sacrifice makes it okay to be exposed is still something that I wrestle with and I have to reconcile to. When convicted of my sins, I still bristle and I sort of bite back pride to defend myself. Mm. But, but in Jesus, that exposure is something that I should welcome and I should find it liberating. Being known and seen means risking hurt or disappointment by the one who knows us. And we're called as Christians to not only not run away from it, but to lean into it, which is awkward until you've done it a certain number of times, and then it feels familiar and more natural. Would you say at this point that exposure still feels, that it feels like freedom for you, or is it still something that you sort of wrestle through? Um, I would say it's, it's freedom, freedom, um, from a perspective of one of the things I struggle with daily, um, is a a sense of me, a sense of selfishness, if you would, um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, everything's not a competition. Um, cause you know, being the numbers girl that I am, you know, it's, it's always been about keeping score. And unfortunately, um, that's not healthy, (laughs) um, all the time. Not, I don't have to lose for you to win. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to, um, come by when that's the way your brain works, you know, um, cause you don't go to a football game and everybody go, Oh, but they won and they don't go to the other team and go, but you won too. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> just run with the ball wherever you want to go. <laughs> exactly. Everybody gets trophies. Um, so, um, <laughs> it, you know, life doesn't work that way of, in, you know, here of that, you know, I have to lose for you to win because um, we can both be successful. So that's where I struggle with from that selfishness part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're in an intimate conversation with like your spouse and you're identifying what your weaknesses are so that somebody can help you with them um, and maybe like give you that wink of, Hey, you did good there. Or that look of, <laughs> Hey, you might better try better there. <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, obviously part of your prayer is not only being exposed, um, 
you know, obviously Jesus knows everything about me um, to, I don't have to bring it to him for him to know it. But when you bring it to him and then you ask for help from the people you're surrounded with daily, you always find yourself using the word, but, Mm -hmm. and I remember, and this is so crazy to bring this in this conversation, but I remember when I was in, um, early in our marriage, because we struggled, um, with the relationship with me and um, Bruce's two oldest girls, um, you know, new mom in the picture, you know, they used to only have dad when they were around and I'd watched a, a show by Dr. Phil and or actually it was Oprah, but Dr. Phil was on it. I told you how long ago it was. Um, <laughs> but he said he, his word was when you use the word, but you mean to say, forget everything I just said and listen to what I'm fixing to say. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I, I would say something, you know, to Bruce about that, you know, selfish kind of um, tendency I had, I would say, and he would draw it to my attention and I would use the word, but, and he was like, there you go again, girl forget me drawing it to your attention. You want to justify it now. And Mm. the Lord doesn't allow me to justify it. He, he identifies it. Right. And so, um, because he sees it, you know, he, obviously he sees your circumstances and your situation and, and probably sees what led you to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably he sees what led you to be there. Um, However, at that same time, token um i there's no justifying it to him that word but doesn't work with him he he calls me out on it and and i appreciate that you know what i mean um it's it's a relationship of respect from a true father you know to say hey i'm here to help you it's not it's not to grade you it's to help you you know get past this learn through it mm-hmm. and push through it you know it's not simply a condemnation. It's okay. There's something we need to look at and deal with yes. so that it doesn't keep happening. Correct. I remember early on when I was a young mom, I had a Bible study that I was able to go to and the woman who was leading it was just amazing. And one of the tiny examples, the visual that she gave that I always come back to with my own kids was that literally it's you and your child standing shoulder to shoulder against whatever the sin is. It's not you against your Mm -hmm. child. And I can't tell you how many times God brings that back to me saying, Megan, it is me and you against that. Mm. Not me against you. And I want, I, I have to fight that reflux, the reflex of the, but, Mm -hmm. but God, you don't understand, (laughs) 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 which is the most ironic of all complaints, right? Mm -hmm. If anybody is going to understand. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Knows all, sees all. (laughs) Right. Uh petulant little child that I am just gonna sit here and find out all the reasons why it's not my fault (laughs) instead of just saying okay how do we how do I do this differently Mm -hmm. right you were right (laughs) 
but it's humbling. It's a humbling posture to get our heart and our minds into. And it's definitely counterculture in where we live and our country right now. Oh, sure. So Tracy, you are seen and loved by God and he brings all the weight of who he is to surround you because he is for you and not against you. His word says that he hems you in behind and in front. The scripture at the heart of faith like Jasmine is second Corinthians two fifteen, which says as far as God is concerned, there is a sweet, wholesome fragrance in our lives. It is the fragrance of Christ within us, an aroma to both the saved and the unsaved all around us. To walk faithfully with God, we have to do it with intention. And it is the fragrance of Christ within us that can minister to those around us, even if we've never had that black and white gospel conversation with them. Our relationships offer us that platform for others to be seen and known by Father God. And for him to be able to touch them. I've seen you model this desire over the past year that we've gotten to know each other, but how has it affected your own life, your God story, when someone else has influenced you or encouraged you by that sweet, wholesome fragrance of Christ in their life? When was a time or a relationship that reminded you that you were known by God? Um, You know, I've never been a part of, you know, we've, for lack of the better term, we've been going to church, you know, most of our marriage, um, mm-hmm. uh, developing relationships, uh, with people in church has not been something that we've been very good at. Um, you know, if we ran into people that we knew outside of church, then, you know, we'd be like, oh, well, maybe we should you know, go to a concert together or something like that. But we just really haven't developed strong relationships where people knew us, um, knew what our struggles were, knew what our, you know, things that were praiseworthy of. Um, We just didn't have that. And um, since going um, downtown to Radius Southside and um, being part of that, I guess, initial core group, you know, launching a new church plant, it, um, gave us an opportunity to get to know people and, um, being on text message threads with people that have literally poured into us like nothing I've ever felt before. Um, usually it was like when you were, I would get a text message congratulating me on something that was success worthy, like a, you know, we did well at a horse show or, um, Mm -hmm. we, you know, harvested a really nice, um, you know, game animal, whether it was a deer or turkey or something that somebody you would see, you know, text messages from people. But I, I have literally found that at the moment that I felt lacking in something, whether it was a heart struggle or a, um, a need, you know, of having somebody sitting beside you, um, whether it was, you know, they were calling to ask to come ride horses or something. It's almost like this group of, of ladies that we've, um, gotten in these text threads together that they knew 
that something the Lord nudged them to nudge me. Mm-hmm. And um, it w- it's like perfect timing, um, which, you know, after all, I mean, he does have perfect timing. He delivers on demand, you know, for mm-hmm. his timing. And um, so it's, it's really strange. And then it's, and to the opposite of that, like vice versa, it's like, I will find the need like, oh, um, we have some extra chicken in the refrigerator. And it's almost like it pops up that there's a need for somebody in that same like influence circle mm-hmm. that, that somebody got sick and they need a meal. And I, how did that happen? You know, right. I mean? like I didn't plan to buy extra chicken and then forgot to put it in the freezer in order for it to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, cause we don't buy like that. I like buy for our family. You know what I mean? Um, yes, we have ridiculously amounts of, of meat stored in our freezer because of our, you know, my husband and my kid harvesting all these deer, but, um, I don't like go to the grocery store and buy chicken like that. And so I, I buy it to pull out three breasts, package them for us to eat, you know, as a meal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I just, sometimes it, it skips me to put something away and that, Oh, you know, there's a family of four with, you know, um, yeah, it's only three extra chicken breasts, but they're, they've got two littles, you know what I mean? So they're not going to eat a whole chicken breast and go make a meal. You know, it's, it's so weird that it works out like that. And, and that's, what's been, um, kind of, uh, eye opener for me is that perfect timing, you know, where somebody's, mm-hmm. you know, been there to help me, um, find scripture to be empathetic for Bruce. Whenever we were in that situation, I may have initiated the conversation and asked for the help, but the follow-up was incredible. Um, Right. You know, earlier this year, um, you know, our, our pastor asked us to, um, you know, write down what has happened in the last year for us, which is far too much for us to cover Megan. Um, (laughs) Um, but my mom's like, Tracy, it doesn't surprise me anymore when you call to tell me that something's happened. You know what I mean? So we're, we're just like, oh, okay, one more thing to put on that list. That, oh. know, the saga of the gates. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like, no, you're not going to surprise me. What did happen today? You know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but it's, it's like that, you know, that those, it's the timing of, uh, when someone's called to send you something, um, you know, last year, the timing of me having, um, breast cancer, you know, there's somebody in our church who's just come through it, um, Mm -hmm. who can lean on me. And then as soon as I come through mine, that there's somebody else in the church who has been diagnosed with it, you know what I mean? Like, how does that fall into place like that? And, you know, those days were written long before my name was spoken. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's amazing to acknowledge his, you know, just presence. Mm-hmm. And, and he, knows, he knows you and he knows Bruce and he knows Briar well enough and sees you. That when others are leaning into him, 
he can simply whisper in their ear, Tracy needs this. Mm -hmm. Bruce needs to hear that. Briar needs backup. Yep. And so it's, it's the beautiful fragrance of somebody else leaning in close to God and listening and knowing him that overflows onto the rest of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tracy, I am going to go ahead and pray us out for today. But you have been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your heart and just your, again, your transparency in how you see life and how you walk through things. It is awesome. And it's such a testament to who God is transforming you into as you then touch and transform the other people around you. Thank you, Megan. I appreciate you reaching out to me and, and thank you for um, the value you add to my life. It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) And father God, we just ask that you would rain down so heavily upon our hearts that we know your presence, your voice more than any other. Holy Spirit, help our unbelief that we would trust and believe that he is good. Right now, I speak life and life abundant over Tracy and her family. May the overflow of her relationship with you ripple and radiate out toward all those within her radius. Minister to her in truth and help her to know in the depths of her heart that you know her and see her. We lift up all who are listening and pray that your light would hover over them in the coming days. Let them feel the weight of who you are as their heavenly father, their trustworthy counselor and devoted friend. Grant them peace to wrestle through weakness and lean into you on points of conviction instead of pulling away to self-preservation. We are grateful once again for Jesus' sacrifice that we are covered and safe, even in our exposure. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for leaning in to hear God's heartbeat through other believers. I hope God blesses you, stretches you, and brings you healing. Don't stop here, though. Check out our website, faithlikejasmine.com, to read previous blog posts, listen to other podcasts, and so much more. Follow on Instagram and be part of community together at Faith Like Jasmine on Facebook. Within the podcast notes today, you can find a simple breath prayer and a worship link. I hope that you can use these to grow closer to Him and spend extra time working through what we've talked about today. And remember, every day, eyes on Him.